want apple juice. Lucas wants apple juice. I know, I heard him can say I that. Can I have apple juice? Yeah, you can have apple juice. Can I have soda? Yes, you can have soda. Can I press that button? No, you can't press that button. Why? Because that's going to play the theme song. I'm not ready to start Click. the pot. What is up, guys? James Gutman here on High Pot. I'm Dad. We are rocking on a Friday. Me and my sinuses. Thank you for joining me. It is a high of 82 today in New York. Yeah, not handling that well. Does not feel good. One of those mornings where you wake up and you're just like, my head is full of paste. Really, like literally Elmer's glue in my head. But thank you for joining me. As you know, it is mid-April. We've already come in like a lion, gone out like a lamb. It's the middle of uh, April Fool's month, and I feel like an April Fool uh, just sitting here trying to keep my my head above water in terms of making sure I don't end up with a sinus infection or allergies or any of this other stuff. But I'm okay. I'm good. This has been a very uh, eventful week for me in many ways. A lot of things happening. A lot of things knocking me a bit off track. You know, if you guys noticed, I did uh, a blog on Monday. And I got to tell you, the blogs have been doing amazing, both on Facebook and in general. People have been checking it out. I want to thank you guys for sharing them and telling people about it and spreading the word. I've been really busy. There's some projects I'm working on I can't talk about just yet. I'm excited and I will be able to soon. But they've been taking up a lot of my time as well. And yeah, man, it was a, a weird week. As you guys know, I'm Catholic. My daughter... Uh, and my son technically is Jewish. Uh, so my daughter had her bar mitzvah this week. I was not a huge part of planning this. Um, you know, both me and my ex-wife is is Jewish, but I don't know if I was still married, I probably wouldn't have had a, a big part in planning it. Just kind of my place and where I settled in. Party was amazing. It was great. It was fun. We did so many wonderful things. I saw people that I haven't seen in a while. Some people I will probably never see again. Um, but she had a great time. I have pictures of her smiling in a way that I'm not used to seeing her smile. So it was really good. And I was very happy with how much she enjoyed it. So that was a great day. Uh, And then literally the next day, my ex-mother-in-law passed away, which was rough for me in some ways. And the reason why is that I hadn't spoken to her in a while. I'd seen her, you know, recently and, you know, we were on Facebook once in a while, she would like something or comment. But it was hard for me. Because as you guys know, I don't talk to my own family. So this was this woman for 20 years was the closest I had to a mother for a long time. And one of the things about about her that I think I always used to hold on to was that it felt the most normal that I've had in that she wasn't the easiest person really to know or to, you know, wasn't she didn't shower you with affection. But a lot of the things that I sometimes would have issues with her about felt like normal things that you would have issues with a motherly figure, which is not something I was used to. I was used to deal breakers. I was used to major problems when it came to dealing with family and dealing with people in that position. And I felt like her issues were a little more normal, uh, more forgivable. I always said that she tried her best and, um, and yeah, and it was sad. And she was one of the last people from that, that little group that we had, you know, it was, it was my ex father-in-law, mother-in-law and grandmother-in-law that would come to all the holidays and be around. And she was the last of the three who passed away. 
And then to go and, and be at the funeral and feel like on the outside looking in, I'm divorced, I'm not in the family anymore. Uh, but even when my father-in-law passed, it always felt, even though I did the eulogy and I was there and I was a big part of it, I always felt like kind of on the outside looking in, people were more concerned about, you know, how's everybody else holding up? And uh, and yeah, it didn't, you know, maybe it's me. I'm a little too emotional sometimes, but it was hard. It was hard saying goodbye to her. But it made me think. All of this stuff this week made me think. And I wanted to talk about the act of just letting go, letting go of people, letting go of situations and how hard it can be for us to let go of people. And it doesn't matter, man. You could be with people, you know, two years, six years, 15, 20, whatever it is. And it's hard to accept sometimes that people have to go. And you find yourself debating it and arguing and trying to get to the bottom. And I did this. And I'm not just talking about my marriage, I'm talking in general in my life. There have been people that I have battled to keep in my life. And I'll tell you why. I am big on commitment, which sounds like like a lie. I know there's people listening to this right now like, what? Shut up. And it's true. It's very true. I am not great with commitment because I don't like to make commitment. But when I do, I am like there for life. Like that's my thing. So to give you an example, my ex-wife, I dated for eight years before I got engaged. Eight years years. We had friends. The reason why I got engaged, I'll tell this stupid story. Um, we had a friend from college who was going to get engaged. She never dated anybody in college. She was kind of just like, she was cool, but like nobody really she didn't go out with anybody. And she was going to get married. And my ex-wife turned to me and she's like, if you know Mary Ellen gets married before me, oh my God. I'm like, all right, all right, we'll get married. We'll get married. Eight years. So I was with my ex-wife from 1997 until really our divorce in 2019. 2020. But we were dating for years from 97 until 2005 when we got married. So with me, it takes a while to make that commitment. Once I do, I'm, I'm in and I'm there. And even over time, as things change, as situations change, as there's shifts in how we deal with each other, I hold on to that because I made that choice. I chose this person or I chose that person to be in my life. So even as things start to fall apart and things almost inevitably fall apart, I would hold on to it in a way that I thought was good. And you convince yourself that it's good, whether it's a marriage or a friendship or a relationship or whatever it is, you convince yourself that it's good. You're like, look, I know how I feel and I know that I'm committed and I know that if given the opportunity, we could fix this and we can make it better. But sometimes people don't want to make it better. Sometimes people don't have that kind of commitment that you have. So you go through this back and forth and this kind of debate and this arguing and this calling on the phone and things like that. And you're finding people pushing back against you, acting different. People that you you embrace their kindness, right? There's definitely people where you're like, this is a good person. I've had people in my life like this, where you're like, you know, I like this person because they're good to me. They're nice to me. They care about me. And then you start going through this phase and all of a sudden they are cruel and they're different. And you start to look at them differently. You look at their face and you're just like, who, who are you? What is this? Your selling point was your kindness and you're being mean to me. And you still hold on to it. And before you know it, you're holding on to a memory because the person that you would want to be with is gone. The person that you want in your life is now gone. And it's been replaced through either animosity or just people kind of showing you who they are 
sometimes the varnish comes off a little bit and you get to see who they really are. And you're like, oh, is this who you are? You spend years telling yourself, you know, this person cares about me. And you ignore all the red flags. You ignore all the things that tell you otherwise. You accept normalcy where normalcy doesn't exist. Times where you're disregarded, you accept as normalcy. Times where you're ignored, you accept as normalcy. Times where you're not put on the same pedestal that you put other people on, you accept as normalcy. And the reason why you do that is you tell yourself, I'm not good enough. I didn't do something for this person. I deserve this. And for me, honestly, it comes down to just my past. I've been through a lot of these situations. I've lost people. I wrote a blog about it. Beginning of 2021, when things were going like pretty poorly for me, I wrote a blog called I Lose People. And I go back and I read that blog and I feel bad for that guy because I know what he was feeling. and I know what he was thinking. It was this idea that I was the common denominator and that getting divorced when you're estranged from your family is almost like failing again. What have I done? And this goes for everything. It's not just divorce. It's friendships that I've lost. It's people that I've lost. I would tell myself, I did something. I did something wrong. But I got to tell you, I got to tell you, going back through time, going back to family, going back to divorce, going back to your friendships and relationships, all these things that I've lost through the years, I look back on it and I realize it's not me. It's not. I, I always tried my best. You know, I always tried to do what was right, even to my own derision, even to the point of somebody no longer being the person that I wanted. That's what made it really weird is I was, I would fight for friends or whatever to stay with me even when they were no longer were acting like somebody I wanted in my life anymore, even though they had changed fundamentally, even though there's a big thing to say out loud, they didn't deserve me and they didn't. And the irony is that there were people who do deserve me that I would push away. And do you know why I did that? I did it because I couldn't understand why they wanted to be around me. That's how broken I was. That's how broken I was. I was so broken that when somebody was there for me and somebody wanted me around, I would question why. Why? Why do you want me around? I'm busy fighting for somebody who, you know, doesn't even want me around them and they're pushing me away. Why do you want me around? So there was always that worry of like, what what is your what is your deal? What are you setting me up for? Why would you want me around? And I feel bad for that person when I go back and I reread that blog and I think about my time there. I just felt like a um, sense of loneliness. And it's something that I've experienced before. I think back and I remember years and years ago, around 2000, I went through a real low period where I felt off. I didn't feel right. You know, you guys know, bipolar, up, down. So there's some days where I'm great. Most days I'm great. You know, I, I feel proud of myself. I feel energized. I feel like I could do anything. Today's one of those days I feel good. Um, but then there are some days where I would really get down on myself. And you want to find people who encourage you during those downtimes. You want to find people who acknowledge what you're going through. There's a lot that I go through. My history and even my present. There's things that I have to do today that weigh on my mind. My son weighs on my mind. The worries that I have about his future and the things I have to do for him. Uh, providing for my kids weighs on my mind. 
wondering if I'm going to be able to do that over time, whether, you know, wondering if I'm going to be able to push forward and be the person I want to be. All these things weigh on my mind. And some people don't care about that. It doesn't factor into how they interact with you, which always surprised me because I always felt I did that. If I had an issue with somebody and they went through a tragedy or they went through something bad, I would always factor that into how I deal with them. But some people, they don't, they don't care. There's a selfishness that I'm finding that most people have. It exists. And the goal is to not have those people in your life. The goal is to find people who truly love you, people who truly want you with them. And sometimes you find them and you're so used to chasing. I'm used to chasing. I've always chased people. That's been my biggest problem. People who know me, they listen to this podcast, they read my blogs. Um, I've had people who have been very open about wanting me around and wanting to be around me. And that's always been something I've pushed against, but the people that I've always gravitated to were the ones who were always like, eh, you know, indifferent. My existence maybe caused an issue, um, not wanted anymore. And those are the ones that I would work to please. Those are the people that I kept trying to fix. Those are the people that I kept trying to save. You know, I had said to my old therapist years ago, I said, I have this damsel in distress kind of complex where I need to save people. You know, if somebody really is struggling, I want to go and, and help them and make them better and lift them up and be a part of that. And to me, I think that's a great thing. I think that that's a good quality to have. And if you're in my life and I care about you, I'm going to help you through anything. That's my goal, you know? Some people, man, they, they don't see it like that. They take advantage and they suck you dry and they leave you at the end of it. But the irony being, and I mentioned it before, and I'll mention it again, and this is where it gets really weird, is that by the end, by the time that you're fighting for this person to be with you or be in your life or be a part of things, sometimes you don't even like them anymore. You're over it. You're like, how? I've been through all this crap with you. We've been fighting for months. You're a different person. You're not the person that I thought you were. And here I am still fighting for us to have something. Why am I doing this? I don't know. I always think about, there was a scene in Arrested Development. If you've never seen Arrested Development, do yourself a favor, see Arrested Development because you will have a million quotes from Arrested Development. But there is a scene where Jason Bateman meets the parents of his son's girlfriend. And they are religious people. And they're talking about, uh, you know, religion. And her parents are religious. And the father is like, well, you know, some of these religious people, they could be kind of crazy. And Jason Bateman's like, well, you know, everyone loves God, so they're not really that crazy. And he's like, well, I don't know. I've met some crazy people, you know? And like just kind of making conversation, Jason Bateman goes, well, I'm sure if you look into your heart, you'll see that they are good people. And it was like, he kept going. And his son turns to me and goes, what are you doing, dad? And he goes, I don't know. <laughs> And, it was, and I feel like that's what would happen is I would be fighting some days and a little voice would pop in my head like, what do you want from this? What do you want from this? Do you want to save this relationship? Do you want to save this, you know, person in your life? And a little voice in my head would be like, no, no, it's comfortable. It's what I'm used to. Sometimes you fight so hard for something for so long that you become used to the fighting. You become used to trying to convince somebody that you're good enough. 
And sometimes there'll be a sign, there'll be a glimmer of hope that things will be okay. And what'll happen, and this has happened to me, where something will happen and there'll be a little voice in my head like, oh, you're going to fix this, it's going to be okay. And I'll get sad. I'll be like, oh, I don't want to fix this. And I'm like, I've been fighting for like two months. What am I doing? Why am I, why am I fighting for something I don't want to fix? Why am I fighting for somebody who's so bad to me? You know? So I don't know. Letting go is important. It really is. And I mean really letting go. I don't mean, sometimes we let go of people and we can't let go. Like in our head, we regret it and we feel bad. I will be honest with you guys. I haven't had that really happen. I've let go of people. And then once it's over, I'm able to take a step back, see the totality of everything. I've seen it with everybody. And I've, I've seen that it's a positive thing. And the reason why I see it's a positive thing is I know where I am right now. I know what I'm doing. I know the people I have around me. I have people that I care about, people that care about me. I have my kids. I love my kids. I have friends. I have friends. Um, my son's friend, Christian, his mom, Lauren, she's fantastic. She's in my life. All these people who want to be here, want to be around me. And it feels good. So I can tell you 100% that in the end, you make your decisions. In the end, you make your choices. And in the end, if you're able to really look back and you're really able to see the red flags now, after the fact, it changes everything. So I feel good. So do yourself a favor. If there's anybody in your life and there's red flags and there's things that you're debating and things that you're pushing for, or somebody's trying to tell you what normal is, don't do it. You know what your normal is and you know what you're capable of and you know what you deserve. So go and find the people you deserve and find people who deserve you. Those are your people. That's your tribe. That's your group. And those are the ones who should be around you. It's important. I'm learning that now. I'm still learning. I feel like I'm always in this constant state of learning more and more. But yeah, I want to be surrounded by my people. Don't force anyone to be around you. And if you feel like you have to because that person is so important to you, guess what? They're not. You could survive without them and nobody should ever make you feel that way. Let it go. There's people who care about you and they're waiting for you. Go find them before you get too old. Segway, you like that? Time for a segue. In my day, we had radio, and you couldn't see anything, and it was primitive and lousy, and we liked it. All right, this week's Wanna Feel Old is a good one, and I'll tell you why it's a good one. It's one because if you don't get it, you're not, you're not old, and this is how you'll know. And here's what got me. And if this gets you, this is something that makes you go, huh, that's weird. Then we can be old together. Okay, check this out. Really simple. I was home. I was in my house. I was in the kitchen and I was putting away groceries. And as I was bringing the groceries in from my car, I saw the Amazon guy show up, right? The guy shows up and he waves to me. I wave to him. He puts the package on my doorstep and he walks away. I go inside and I continue to put groceries away. And it must have been like 10 seconds. I get a message telling me that my Amazon delivery has arrived. Here's why I feel old. Because in that moment, I took the time to appreciate the fact that a man came to my door with a package and sent that message thousands of miles away. They registered it and then they sent me a message literally in the same place this guy just was within seconds telling me my package had arrived. 
It would have known before I knew, and I live in the house. I come from a generation of allow four to six weeks for delivery, uh, CODs and things like that. Do you guys remember? You wouldn't order anything ever on the TV because it took your life to get there. Nobody got sea monkeys. Like We all looked at the advertisements for sea monkeys, but the ones who really ordered that stuff, I think once I ordered when I was a kid a ventriloquist dummy, like a little, um, I don't know, Charlie McCarthy ventriloquist dummy, and it took forever to get there. You thought that the x-ray glasses worked in the comic strip ad because nobody bought the x-ray glasses. So nobody knew. It was always this one kid that's like, it's not really a thing. It just makes it dim. You're like, oh. But yeah, that freaks me out. So listen, if I told you that, if I said, look, the package came, I was in the kitchen, I got a message from a thousand miles away telling me it arrived instantaneously before I even had a chance to get the package. And you go, yeah, whatever, dude, that's Amazon. Then you're young. You're a young person. There's many things you do I do not understand, but I work with you on it. Um, but if you are one of those people like me that's like, oh my God, we're in the future. We're old. You and I, we're old. And that made me feel old. Um, yeah. So let's, let's segue. Let's go to some sanity. A moment of sanity. Hi, Pod. This is your moment of sanity. This right here, this week... I'm not doing it right, but this is my moment of sanity. This week, I bought a Tibetan bowl, which is something I've wanted for a while. It seems silly. I have, I have a lot of these relaxation things that some of them I don't use, some of them I do. I have those balls you put in your hand. You're supposed to um, swirl them around in your hand. Uh, I know that sounds weird. I own those. I have all sorts of little things. This is something I've wanted for a while. It's a little golden bowl, uh, I guess, from Tibet. And what you basically do is you hit it, you got a little mallet, you run it around, it relaxes me, it's chill. I do enjoy that. And I gotta say, my moment of sanity is not just that. I mean, that's something that's helping me, it feels good, it's great to have. Uh, but something I did this week, and I wanna touch upon the, the blogs because we didn't get to talk about it, but they do flow into the moment of sanity. I did two this week, uh, two that I felt very strongly about. The first one on Monday was a big deal because it was about saying hello and goodbye to my son, my special needs son nonverbal and how some people don't do that. And it actually affects how I see those people. And I told the story, it was a completely true story uh, of another dad in, you know, uh, the circle that my daughter would go trick or treating with a few years ago that I liked. I still kind of like him. He was good. He's good. He's a good guy to me. Um, but he had come over and talked to me and I had Lucas next to me and it was, he didn't say hello to Lucas, didn't acknowledge him, had a conversation, polite conversation with me, nice, great, walked away. And it just, it really just stuck to me a little bit. And I thought, maybe he doesn't know. And I wanted to put this blog out there so that you guys could see it and you could send it to your friends if you have you know, a nonverbal child or a special needs child. My biggest piece of advice to anybody, if you have a friend who has a child who you know, has some sort of you know, disability, whatever it is, say hello to them. Say goodbye. Treat them like they're there. It doesn't matter if they don't say hello back. It doesn't matter. I've had somebody one time, I remember um, there, was a, there was a friend of the family and he had a developmental disability and not even, you know, too severe. Like he carried on conversation and she would not say hello to him if she saw him like at the supermarket, right? He worked at a supermarket and she goes, uh, she goes, oh, I didn't think he'd remember me. And I'm like, well, then who gives, well, just say hello. Like what's wrong with you? So things like that, like just say hello, say goodbye. People appreciate it. I appreciate it. If you see my kids say hello, um, I try to say hello to everybody, even a wave or whatever. And I, the problem with writing a, 
a piece like this, but it's important to note because I didn't want it to be insulting. What really always amazed me is people who don't understand that you say hello to people and, and, and beings who aren't going to give you responses all the time. We say hello to babies. We say hello to people's pets. We say hello to just, you know, anybody who's around anything with eyes. You're like, hi, you know, so say hi to my kid. Don't be a jerk. That was Monday. The reason the moment of sanity pops into this is because on Wednesday, I had a rough week, as I said before, a lot of stuff on my mind. Didn't want to write about grief. Didn't want to write about death. The, the whole basis of this podcast could have been a blog, but I didn't want to do that either. I didn't want it to be too, you know, all up in my feelings, as they say. So I didn't want to write something new. I wasn't really in the right state of mind. But what I did was something that I want to do more. I've never done it, um, but I like doing it. And it was, I did a classic repost of, you know, when you're first to spot autism's early signs. And what I wanted to do is kind of go back through the ones that got the most traction here on the blog. And I've been doing it for five years. I've never reposted any of them. So there are definitely things that people like to read and things that got a lot of a response. And that was one of the things that got a huge response back at the time. But what this allowed me to do is go back, reread it. Uh, I didn't really edit it too much. I cleaned it up, but I added links to it and, you know, made it look more in line with how the blog is supposed to look today. And I'm, I'm really happy that I did. But one of the things in that blog that stuck to me is that I told stories in that blog. I told the story about the Music Together teacher who talked about uh, spectrum, about worrying that her baby was on the spectrum and saying it in a way that implied that it was terrible if your kid had special needs. Uh, and then everyone laughed about it and how terrible I felt, which I did. It was a terrible, terrible moment. I talked about that. I talked about a few stories in there. And what was funny about that is that I, when I read it again, I was like, oh, yeah, remember that? And I hadn't really thought about it in a while. But before writing that blog, it was always in my brain. It was always there. It was something that I used to beat myself up about and go back over and think about. And that's my moment of sanity. My moment of sanity is the fact that I'm able to write these blogs, get these stories out, and then they're gone. They're out of my head. They're out of my mind. They're in the universe. And that felt good. It felt good to be able to go back and read a hurtful thing and know that I've overcome it because I got it out. So that's good. So that's something I try to do. And if I can give you guys a piece of advice, like, you know, I talked earlier about losing people and all this other stuff. You want to feel better um, and you want to get it out, you know, just write letters to people that you're never going to send. Write it down. That's my biggest piece of advice for dealing with um, any traumatic issue or any traumatic situation. Write it out. If you write it, it's in front of you. You read it. You have it. I don't know. I felt better. I have not thought about that Music Together story in a long time. But before I wrote about it back in 2017, I thought about it all the time. So it's a good thing. Realize that's where my sanity comes from. And hopefully today's podcast will be enough for you guys to be able to take uh, with you, use that information, feel better, deal with people, deal with trauma, deal with all this other stuff. I've dealt with it. I'm still dealing with it. We can deal with it together. Please stick with me every single Friday. We will talk. We will get through this. We will go forward and all those things I talked about weighing on my mind earlier about my kids and about, you know, achieving things and all that. I know they're going to come true. I believe in myself and I believe that it can be done. And I'm better today than I was yesterday. That much I know for sure. So thank you for listening. Come back next Friday because you know what? If I'm better today than yesterday, how awesome am I going to be next Friday? You too. We're going to be awesome together. Let's meet up again next Friday, right here. HiPodOnDad.com. Like, subscribe, hit the bell, hit your neighbor, hit, you know, hit the bottle, whatever you're going to hit. Hit it and move forward. Until next time, James Gutman saying, be well. Bye, Pod. I'm Dad.